0: Perfect. So, we know how much to give, but uh, how does it vary? How, uh, so, for deficit, what sort of fluid would you want to give?
1: Yeah. For deficit, actually, you have a choice of two categories. Whether you should give colloid or whether you should give crystalloid. And in crystalloid, you again have two categories. You could either give normal saline, which means without KCL, or you can give Hartman's, or ringer lactate. Hartmann and ringer lactate is the same name given transatlantically different to the same solution. Now coming to colloid and crystalloid the controversy remains but I will only tell you the salient points. Let us say I have lost 500 ml of blood in an accident and I come to you to the emergency and you want to replace my 500 ml of blood loss. If you give me colloid, you just have to give me five hundred ml of colloid, which could be five percent albumin, ten percent albumin, or synthetic colloid like hetastart, you know, or you know, jellofuin or any of those. So you just replace it male by male. But supposing you are in the crystalloid mindset and you want to resuscitate me with normal saline, you will have to give me one point five liters of normal saline to replace my 500 ml of blood loss and the reason for that is that when you give crystalloid it gets distributed into two compartments it gets distributed into intravascular compartment and also into the interstitial department one-third goes into the intravascular compartment and two-thirds goes into the interstitial compartment so that is why you have to give me three times more the crystalloid compared to the blood i have lost so that is the one difference between the colloid and crystalloid. Now, if the colloid was that good, why not use it right, left and center? There are some issues with the colloid. Supposing I was a soldier who was injured in the battleground and I was picked after six hours or I was in the mountaineering expedition and I had a fall and I was picked up for seven to eight hours. During those seven to eight hours, I was in shock. I was anoxic. I was having anaerobic metabolism. I have lactic acidosis. In those cases, I have what you call leaky capillary syndrome. So, it doesn't matter what fluid you will give, it will leak through my intercapillary sphincters from the intravascular compartment into the interstitial space. Now, imagine if I have a colloid which is doing this leakage, it is like a magnet. This colloid will attract a lot of fluid out of the intravascular compartment into the interstitial space. And if this is happening in the lung, you will have a situation what we call ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is nothing but non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. But if you give me crystalloid, they will still leak, but they will not be as bad as colloid in creating an ARDS type of picture. So, in other words, when you don't know the time of the trauma or the status of the resuscitation Between the trauma and the presentation, it is best to give crystalloid, otherwise colloid is as good because you just have to give mill by mill. The thing to remember about the colloid is that they are more expensive and there are certain colloids which can interfere with your interpretation of the coagulation studies. Now coming back to crystalloids I mentioned you have two choice either you can give normal saline or you can give Hartmann but thing to remember is that if you give me normal saline for my deficit correction you are giving me a sodium and chloride to the tune of 154 millimoles per liter which is a more than my normal sodium and chloride concentration in my serum So, by giving me normal saline in large quantities for the correction of deficit, you can hypothetically and sometimes practically cause me hyperchloremic acidosis. Which is not the risk in the Hartmann or Ringer because their composition is same as that of your plasma. In other words, they have a sodium of 130 millimoles per liter, chloride of 110, potassium of 4.5 per liter, and they have a lactate of 28 millimoles per liter, which in the body gets converted to bicarbonate of 28 millimoles per liter. In other words, it is the same. But the thing to remember about the Hartman or the ringer lactate is that it still has a potassium of 4.5 milliliter per uh, millimoles per liter. In other words, when you give a lot of fluid to me in a very short time, and I have got some issue with my heart or my renal system, then this much potassium can be a problem. Or if I don't have a ECG monitoring, it is best to give a saline rather than a Ringer's lactate. But you should know the advantages and disadvantages between each fluid.
0: Fine right. and for ongoing losses what would be your choice of fluid
1: ongoing losses I will say if you ask me the short answer it is 0.9% saline or either a normal saline with the potassium chloride 10 millimole per 500 ml this fluid will correct most of the deficit unless you are dealing with a deficit of a pure gastric juice in gastric outlet obstruction. In that special circumstances, you should give me half-strength saline with KCL, ten millimole per uh, five hundred ml. The reason being that the pure gastric juice is low in sodium content as compared to uh, gastric juice which is mixed with the bile. Fine
0: and. And lastly finishing off with maintenance fluids what would be your choice there because i know there's some variability there and it causes a lot of confusion do you go for half normal saline or there's all sorts of different concoctions that you can give so you to talk us through that a little bit please
1: yeah you're absolutely right coming to maintenance fluid as far as the united kingdom is concerned as per the guidelines from the nice you give normal saline in five percent dextrose with addition of KCL, in other words, potassium chloride, 10 millimole per 500 ml. That is the national guidance and that is what we follow. But if you look at the rest of the world, having worked in America and Australia and India and Middle East the maintenance standard fluid is 0.45% saline. In other words, N by 2 saline in 5% dextrose with KCL 10 millimoles per 500 ml. Now, in the neonatal unit, they sometimes give 0.18% saline, which is N by 5 saline in 10% dextrose and add KCL 10 millimoles per 500 ml. And the reason for that is that the neonates need more sugar for their brain to prevent the hypoglycemia and that is why the maintenance fluid is 10% dextrose rather than 5% dextrose.
0: So obviously in kids we use fluid boluses a lot more so you're able to talk us through uh, that because I know a lot of the time we might push it through with a syringe which you wouldn't really see in adults so much.
1: Yeah now the fluid boluses uh, are very important because let's say you have a sick child because I'm talking about the pediatrics and you are in the emergency situation, and you come and see a child in a shock, and you start taking out your calculator and looking at the deficit and do the calculation of the maintenance and then the calculation of the ongoing losses, looks like you are not the commander-in-chief in in control. You have to start with some arbitrary fluid bolus. So, the best way is to assess the weight of the child. Either you can use the measuring tape or you can just assess it by your guesswork because at the end of the day, these all formulas are just a guide to start because rest you monitor with the urine output and a lot of other clinical parameters as well as, you know, the central venous pressure and other things. But I would divide the boluses into two categories, whether are you dealing with a non-trauma situation or you are dealing with a trauma situation. So, let's first stick to the non-trauma situation like you are dealing with peritonitis, you are dealing with gastroenteritis you are dealing with a gangrenous bowel with septic shock and on any of those things, those people who are in shock will require a first fluid bolus of 20 ml per kg of crystalloid. This crystalloid could be in the form of normal saline. So once you have given 20 ml per kg of crystalloid, you can give it over. 20 to 40 minutes depending upon the clinical scenario and let's say there will be two scenarios one is that your fluid bolus worked other is it doesn't work if it doesn't work you are very well entitled to give another 20 ml per kg of crystalloid bolus and if that doesn't work that means this is a serious issue there could be a serious ongoing bleeding or there is a serious septic shock and that is the place where i would request that you should call for the senior help you should ring the blood bank to cross match the blood and you be ready with your endotracheal tube and intubation because once you have given two fluid boluses and the child is still in shock, it is not going to be a C problem, but it is going to be A and B problem very soon. So be ready for your intubation and plus be ready with the blood and involve the senior. And telephone is a very important instrument uh, in this case.
0: And just to be clear, you wouldn't want to add potassium chloride to that solution because that can cause all sorts of other problems like causing hypokalemia?
1: Absolutely. You have to be absolutely sure that the bolus fluids should not have potassium. That is why when we were discussing about the deficit correction, I was saying that be careful with the Hartman because it has 4.5 millimole per liter of potassium, whereas a normal saline without potassium is the best fluid because you're not worried about the potassium at all. But in trauma situation, the things are different. Just uh, one last
0: thing. Are there any other considerations that you might want to make just like if you're looking at the blood gas or anything, would that adjust your uh, prescription of
1: fluids at all? That's a very good question. And I'll give you uh, a very, very general formula, which is true in most of the time. Whenever you get a hypokalemia, you always get alkalosis and vice versa is true. In other words, whenever the patient is alkalotic, look for hypokalemia. The same is true. If you have hyperkalemia, it is more than likely that you will have acidosis. And if you have acidosis, you will have hyperkalemia. So if I have to summarize, all it means is that if you have abnormal electrolytes in the form of potassium, you will have abnormal gases in the f- form of acidosis or alkalosis. And the vice versa is also true that if you have abnormal gases showing acidosis of alkalosis, look for the potassium abnormalities because they go hand in hand. In other words, if I show you an abnormal ABG, you should must, uh, you must do a potassium check. And, and vice versa is true, if you see a potassium abnormality in an electrolyte report, you must check the gases looking for acid-base imbalance.
0: And what's the physiology that goes behind the relationship with potassium and
1: acidosis slash alkalosis? The the physiology is explained in a way that potassium is primarily an intracellular ion, whereas sodium is an intravascular ion. So whenever, let's say, you have a situation of dehydration, the priority for the body is to get the potassium in the place. And the second priority of the body is to maintain the acid-base balance. So, in other words, the hydrogen from the intracellular compartment in alkalosis comes out of the cell into the intravascular compartment and potassium from the intravascular compartment in exchange goes into the intracellular compartment. So, that is why whenever you have alkalosis, you have a hypokalemia. And this hypokalemia is because of the redistribution of the potassium primarily. And the same thing happens at the renal level also. Because if you want to conserve sodium, you have to exchange it either with sodium or potassium. But the body tries to first put the potassium into the urine and try to conserve the hydrogen.
0: I think that caps off everything nicely. Are there any other points you'd want to leave on?
1: I think uh, my main message too is that be very clear into... 4 is to 2 is to 1 formula for the maintenance because that will help you to deal with pediatric population of every age. My second message to you is that formulas are the rough guide to start with. They are not written in stone. It is a dynamic situation. You evaluate the person and then you tailor the fluid according to the response. And one of the very responsible parameter which you should measure is the urine output. In the case of an infant, which is less than one year old, it should be at least two ml per kg per hour. In case of child, it should be one ml per kg, one hour, whereas in adolescent or adults, it should be 0.5 ml per kg per hour. So urine output should be measured. And third thing is that all these formulas which I gave you for the maintenance or for the deficit, they are for crystalloids. They are not for colloids. Thank you.
0: No, thank you very much. And if anyone wants to take a deeper dive again, we've uh, created a presentation. And Mr. Singh will be doing a blackboard presentation on how to prescribe fluids as well. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to another podcast brought to you by School of Surgery. Remember you can follow us on Facebook at School of Surgery, on iTunes, on Podomatic at schoolofsurgery.podomatic.com and finally
1: by searching School of Surgery on YouTube. Thank you very much and see you next time.